0: You are listening to the Grace Covenant Cornelius Audio
1: Podcast.
0: Well, we are going to uh, be talking this morning about the coming year and what it means to look to the future. I know that everybody is kind of sitting back and uh, had a great time. I hope most of you had, a, or all of you, had a great time Christmas this year, the holidays, getting with family and friends. And if you're like me, when I got on the plane on Christmas morning, uh, automatically went into the rule of like, everything is game and so uh, Christmas calories do not count and I tested that theory multiple times as I'm sure most of you did but you know we go into that and we kind of just gorge especially when you're uh, trying to eat healthy and then you all just kind of go on this binge for a week your body is like okay we're going to go into complete renal failure and shut down. I don't know what you're doing to me or what you're trying to prove but I I can't handle all of this and if you're wearing any Thread of spandex on your body. It basically, about the end of Christmas morning, you you know, gives up the ghost. It says, "I'm I'm done. Uh, I wasn't made for this. I can't handle this. What What are you trying to do?" And in that, we kind of get into this uh, thing where we have, you know, the 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 post-eating regret. You may have gotten up this morning and going, I hope my pants are still going to fit after everything I did this week. Will I have anything to wear to church? Uh, you know, and we kind of get ourselves psyched up and going, I'm just going to go one last complete binge because I know January 1st I'm going to start that diet. And we all have these resolutions that we kind of get into and that we start each and every year. And that's a good thing. I get that. That's, that's a good thing to do. You want to start the year off with a plan. You want to start it off with a purpose. But you really have got to think about what it means, you know, what it is that you're doing, because in that moment, you're making that resolution out of kind of an emotional response. And really, that's what resolutions really are. They're the state or quality of being resolute, but they're often emotional commitments that are only as strong as the emotion. So, you know, when you're feeling bloated and you're retaining about 50 pounds of water and you know find it difficult to walk around, your feet are swollen and such, and you're feeling bad about yourself, it's easy to make a commitment in that moment. It's easy to kind of kind of get on board at that time. But when everything you know finally settles back and things get back to normal, then you kind of forget what it is that you've done. And what we want to talk about today is just kind of what it is to mean to look to the future and having an intentional plan for the future. You have to have a plan. You have to have a strategy. Nothing gets accomplished unless you do those things. And we're going to take our teaching this morning off of uh, Psalm 37 through uh, 3 through 9. And if you notice, we got Pastor Scott up here, Pastor Trish, and Pastor Johnny, and in the, in the spirit of the family service this morning. thought it would be good for each of them to kind of walk through this scripture and pick out key points for you to take, to think about, and to kind of devise your own strategy. So if you'll read with me. Trust in the Lord and do good. Dwell in the land and enjoy safe pasture. Take delight in the Lord, and he will give you the desires of your heart. Commit your way to the Lord, trust in him, and he will do this. He will make your righteous reward shine like the dawn, your vindication like the noonday sun. Be still before the Lord and wait patiently for him. Do not fret when people succeed in their ways, when they carry out their wicked schemes. Refrain from anger and turn from wrath. Do not fret. It only leads to evil. For those who are evil will be destroyed, but those who hope in the Lord will inherit the land. So in there is kind of, if you will, just kind of a skeleton template of what you can do to walk out of here today and create your own plan. So Pastor Trish is going to start us off this morning.
2: All right, it's confession time. How many of you would raise your hand out there and say that you are a planner? You've got to have the plan. You've got to know the plan. You are the enforcer of the plan. So what you're going to do, whoever you're sitting by, your parents, your spouse, your friends, maybe you don't even know them and you're just going to judge of which one is a planner in that family. When I count to three, you're going to point to the planner. So the person that's making things happen, asking you why your shoes weren't at the front door, because it's time to go, five minutes ago—who Who is the planner? One, two, three, point them out. Who is it? Who is it? Oh, I see this thing going on. Like, it's them! They are the ones. You know, it's mostly women. <laughs> I want to tell you, it's, it's mostly women. Is there a man out there that was being pointed at? I don't. There we go. We got a couple of you out there. Well, my friends, the first step. Are you ready? The first step to having a plan, to being intentional about looking forward to the future. Are you ready for it? Well, first of all, I want to show you my, my calendar first. You guys want to check this out? It's Trolls calendar. It's a pretty cartoon. If you, how many of you know what Trolls is? Raise your hand if you know what Trolls is. The rest of you, you need to go look up this movie. It's super cute. It's a newer one. Big hair, don't care, hug time, super fun stuff. Um, and then, if that weren't enough, I have my cal- so I have that calendar, and I've already called my friends. Okay, I've already called my friends and said, hey, when is a good time to come visit? Because I'm planning my vacation time. And I'm already out of the vacation days for 2019. Anybody else? Yeah? You can give your vacation days to me. I'm pretty sure that's how it works. <laughs> but we also... I also got for Christmas, because my husband believes I'm the best planner ever. Oh, he doesn't. He got me a planner. And so not only is this a calendar, but it also has goals. It has a vision board, all these things. What I want my 2019 to look like. So here we go. Step one. This is what we need to do. According to Psalm 37, we need... To trust God completely. Stay calm and confide in Him. That means that all these plans that I have written down, the appointments, the vacations that are going to not stress me out at all, all these things that are happening, guess what I have to do? I have to take this planner that I'm so tightly grasping onto, that I'm so tightly following, that if I do not stick with it to the T, my world will fall apart tomorrow. If this does not happen, you know what I need to do? I need to loosen up the grip and let it go. I need to say those plans are great, but I'm gonna hold my hands open because I'm gonna be accepting of what God has for me. And I'm gonna say, you know what, I have it all written out, but if God wants to like wreck it and play with it, because He will laugh at your plans. It'll happen. When He twists them upside down, what are you gonna do? Are you going to freak out like, oh my goodness, I don't know the plan? Or are you going to stay calm (laughs) and let him do with what he has for you? So the first step of being intentional, having this awesome plan, is trusting God and saying, you know what, God? Whatever you want to do, that's what I want to do. I want your plans to be my plans. I want your desires to be my desires. God, take my plan. I trust you.
1: All right, it's that time of year we begin to look ahead and ask, what do I want my life to look like? What do I want to do? How do I want to be? And the next verse we're going to look at, Psalm 37.3, gives us a little bit of insight and instruction on this. It says, trust in the Lord and do good. Which basically means to live in a state of confidence in God and then get to work. Well, get to work doing what? Doing that which is good. And the word good that's used here is the same that you would find in Genesis that describes God's work of creation. So when God got about the business of creating all of reality and mountains and streams and time and space and wonderful animals like giraffes and unicorns. Well, okay, so apparently a horse with a horn coming out of its head. is too far-fetched. But a leopard-printed moose camel with a 40-foot neck, that's perfectly reasonable. But hey, that's the creativity of God. We don't question it. We just celebrate it. So when God finished creating things like giraffes, he stepped back and he said, that's good. That's good work. Then when Jesus entered humanity, we got another example of God doing a different kind of work. And here's what it says in Acts 10.38. Luke summarizes how Jesus spent his days on earth. And it says, God anointed Jesus with the Holy Spirit and with power. Then Jesus went around doing good. So what was the kind of good that Jesus was doing? Well, if you look at the Gospels, you'll see that he was speaking words of truth and life. He was healing people who were oppressed. He was comforting the hurting. He was... Feeding those who were hungry, and he was even loving those who hated him. This was the kind of good work that Jesus instituted and then called us to carry on after he left. So, my encouragement is this as you're formulating an intentional plan for 2019, ask yourself where does doing the kind of good work that Jesus was doing factor in? Is it a part of the plan? Now it might take some prayer, it might take some thought to discover what that is for you. But let me tell you, here at Grace Covenant, we have a ton of opportunities. I can't even keep up with how many things we're involved in. So if you're looking for a place to get involved, to begin doing something good, you can find it here. But whether it's here or it's somewhere else, I think this verse shows us that we've got to trust the Lord and we've got to be about doing good work. We have a simple saying here for why we exist as a church at Grace Covenant. Do you guys know what it is? Loving God and serving others. Let's say it together. Loving God and serving others. The serving others is that good work that we're talking about. Now trust me, I know we've all got a list. We've got to lose 20 pounds, need to spend more time with the kids, need to schedule more date nights. All those things are important. All those things are good. But where is contributing to the health of other human beings, their spiritual health? How are you going to factor in serving others into that plan? Because here's the thing. God has placed you in a sphere of influence specifically for you to be God's voice, his hands, his feet, to people who are literally dying without him. That's a high calling. And maybe that sounds a little bit intimidating. But look what we find in Ephesians 2.10. Here's what it says, that we have literally been created in Christ Jesus for good works. Which God prepared beforehand that we should walk in them. So if you're now in Christ, you've been specifically built for good works. And the good news is, those good works, they're already out there. God has already arranged them. And all we have to do is just keep our eyes on him and walk into that intentionally. So my encouragement is this, make doing good a part of your strategy for this coming year.
3: Good morning. How many of there's a verse in God's word that you kind of feel is like your life verse? Anybody have one of those? Only three of us. Okay, a few more than three. Okay, good. So up until about a year ago, my life verse was Psalm 37.4, which is delight yourself in the Lord, and then he'll give you the desires of your heart. But that verse often gets misquoted, kind of like some other verses in God's word that gets misquoted. Like, for instance, have you ever heard this one? Money is the root of all evil. It's in the Bible. Now, what am I missing? What word did I miss? The love of money is the root of all evil. Because money itself isn't evil, but when you start loving it, Or, have you heard this one? Resist the devil and he will flee from you. That's biblical. But there's a piece right at the beginning that's super important. Three words. Four words. Submit yourselves, therefore, to God. Resist the devil and he will flee from you. And so, it's really important when we look at Scripture that we don't just take a Scripture and we take a little snippet out of it. Like for instance, like Psalm 37, four, I've often heard people say this, God will give you the desires of your heart. How many ever had wrong desires? (laughs) We had a wrong desire and you prayed and you said, God, please, I want this. And God said no, or God didn't answer you. And then about six months later, you prayed and you said, God, thank you for not answering my prayer. Kind of like Garth Brooks. You know the song, right? Some of you do. Yeah, sometimes. Yeah, anyway. Our, our desires so many times don't line up with his desires. And so if we want God to give us the desires of our heart, it is so important that we delight ourselves in him. We have to love what he loves. There's a Christian music artist, his name is Brandon Heath, who wrote a song several years ago called Give Me Your Eyes. Now, I would sing it for you this morning, but they would not give me the singing microphone. They gave me the talking microphone. So I'm just going to read you the the chorus to that song. But it is so true about seeing the way God sees. And here's what the song says. Give me your eyes for just one second. Give me your eyes so I can see everything that I keep missing. Give me your love for humanity. Give me your arms for the brokenhearted, the ones that are far beyond my reach. Give me your heart for the ones forgotten. Give me your eyes so I can see. And he goes, yeah, yeah, yeah. So that's the only singing part I can do.
2: But when we see,
3: if we can only see the way God sees things, don't you think our desires would be different? How many of you really wanted something and then you got it and then within like a couple months you're like, it wasn't that great. If anybody upgraded to the new iPhone in the last couple years and it doesn't have the home button and it kind of still kind of like, Freaks you out a little bit. Yeah, I did that, and I was like, wow, I really wanted the new phone. I was like, but I'm missing the home button. I wish I could go back, but but our desires sometimes get so on the worldly stuff. And so it's so important that if we delight ourselves in him, then he'll give us the desires. But it it is a two edged thing. It has to go that way. Delight in him, he'll give you the desires. Because here's what Jeremiah 17.9 tells us. Our heart is wicked and no one can understand it. So if you think I I can figure this out on my own, I'm going to have the right desires. It's so important that we delight ourselves in him first. This year, I mean it. I mean it, mean it.
1: I could not possibly mean it more.
3: I got this.
1: Candy bars, gone. Funyuns, gone. Ice cream, candy bars and Funyuns, gone. Well,
3: this year I'm going to connect with people. I.R.M. In real life. I made a pinky promise to myself. That means
2: I mean it. I'm going to take care of myself. After I figure out who I am, other than a mom, which I love.
3: I beat myself up so much. I'm never good enough. That has to change. Why do I do that? I'm so
2: dumb. See?
1: This year, I'm going to work really hard on being a cool dad. I don't know. I might play some Fortnite, learn some of the dances. (laughs) (laughs) That works, right?
2: i got to learn to forgive myself, give myself a break, not be perfect. Well, I got it. I'm
3: going to step outside of my comfort zone by volunteering at the soup kitchen. Well, maybe the pet shelter, because cats, they're so much easier.
2: This year, I'm going to forgive my mom. Now that I am a mom, I totally get it.
1: This year, I'm also going to start reading literature, you know, books and stuff. I hear it's good for me.
3: This year I'm going to try to be confident. Well, it's just that I'm comfortable staying in my comfort zone.
2: I've got a lot of baggage, and it didn't come from the mall. Well, some of it did.
3: You're strong, God. I'll let you be strong in my weaknesses. All right, God, I'm going to start with the best relationship, you and me.
2: But you know what, God? This year, I'm giving you all of the places that hurt.
3: I'm weak, God. I know it, and you
2: know it.
1: Who am I kidding? God, I'm exhausted trying to outdo everybody.
3: But this year, I mean it. I mean it. I mean it. I mean it. it.
2: Awesome. What would it look like for you to mean it, mean it this year? What would it really look like? And this is where we get to number four. Commit your daily plans to him. Allow God to order your days. It says commit everything you do to the Lord. Trust him and he will help you. So what does that look like? It means keeping in mind I'm going to make the choices today to be the person I want to be tomorrow. If I want to lose 20 pounds by the end of the year, I'm not going to eat a whole pizza to myself. (laughs) I'm not going to do that. I want to do what makes me. I want to make the choices today that will get me to be the person I want to be tomorrow. And the psalmist here, I think he was reminding himself, like, all right, I got to daily recommit. I got to daily open up my hands and say, God, What do you have for me today? Now, sometimes I can try to get something done because I'm crazy and try to get stuff done. And I can get interrupted. Anybody else get interrupted when you're trying to get stuff done? So one interruption, no problem. And then two interruptions, you know, starting to get you on edge a little bit. three interruptions, and by the time you know it, you've got nothing done because you've been interrupted six times in one hour. Anybody relate to that a little bit? Yeah. So what if, me and you, what if we decided to look at those interruptions just a little differently? Maybe they're really not interruptions. Maybe maybe they're divine appointments. I know it sounds a little crazy, but what if God wanted you to get interrupted with that person that seems to be a little on your nerves? (laughs) What if God had another plan for you for that hour? Maybe you really really were supposed to talk with a person in a half hour instead of go get lunch after church. How can you commit your plans to God? Say daily, God, I commit everything I do to you, Lord. I commit everything. That means I'm going to look at things as divine appointments. I'm going to look for you to wreck my plans. And I know that freaks out the little planner inside of all of us. But would you take the challenge with me and say, God, I commit my plans to you every day.
1: Well, here's a question for you. When is the last time that you just sat in the quietness of your own thoughts? Is that even possible anymore? I mean, have we lived in a time where there has not been... Just more distractions available just to consume every single moment of every single day. Psalm 37, 7 says, be still before the Lord and wait patiently for him. But it seems like stillness and patience is incredibly hard. And it goes against the momentum of our modern life, which is to just keep moving, increase output, uh, consume more information, Refresh the feed, keep keep tabs on everybody, and our minds are so cluttered and distracted. So it's no wonder that in turn our levels of anxiety and stress are also increasing. And in the midst of all that we find ourselves asking, God, where are you? God, why don't I hear your voice? And God is like, I'm right here. It's just there's so much noise. Just be still and be quiet. But let's be honest, silence can be a little bit uncomfortable. Have you ever been in a conversation with somebody and you're both talking and then suddenly both of you stop talking? Did you feel that? Yeah, it started to get a little nervous in here. Started fidgeting in your seat, some sweat broke out on your forehead. It's because there's something intimidating about silence. And here's what I think it is. I think when it comes down to it, silence makes us feel vulnerable. But wouldn't you know, that's exactly what God wants from us, to have moments in our life where we're willing to just be quiet and be vulnerable before him. When Jesus began his ministry, it was a whirlwind of activity, just people clamoring around him and Jesus do more, Jesus say more, Jesus be in more places. And frequently throughout the Gospels, we see Jesus withdrawing from the flurry of activity, pulling himself away. Now, why did he do that? Well, how do you think that Jesus dealt with the demands of his work, his ministry? How did Jesus go about making important decisions? How did Jesus process grief? How did Jesus prepare for the big moments? and even the terrifying moments in his life. The Gospels tell us about a man who often walked along the sea, who went up on the mountainside, who went to what the Bible describes as a solitary place, the lonely place. And it was there that he sought quiet intimacy with his father, because he understood that that he couldn't keep up with the pace if he didn't have these moments in his life to just be still and hear from God. You see, a real musician knows it's not just what you play that makes you good. It's also what you choose not to play. So sometimes that means stepping out of the song and just being silent. In music, a well-timed rest can be just as impactful as a dramatic crescendo. There's no doubt that 2019 is going to have its share of dramatic moments. So how will you prepare? How will you prepare for the big moments? How will you anchor yourself in the unexpected moments? Where will you go when things get to be a little bit too overwhelming? I believe it's in this quiet place that we're talking about, where our faith is reinforced and where empty wells get filled. And also where future battles are won is in the quiet places, the lonely places with God to just sit and be still. So let's not neglect to carve out this space in this time as we're planning for the year ahead.
3: Psalm 37, eight says, refrain from anger and turn away from wrath. Do not fret. It only leads to evil. How many have ever gotten so angry that you could feel your face getting hot? Yeah, it starts turning red, potentially. How many of you, your face tells on you? If you're upset, your face tells. You try to act like you're all cool underneath the surface, but your face is telling you're not happy. So I grew up in in the 70s and 80s, and I have two younger brothers, and we loved on Saturday mornings to watch WWF wrestling. And I mentioned some of the, the, the wrestlers in the last two services and each service somebody comes in afterwards. You didn't say that one? You didn't say that one? I know I didn't. But there was a bunch of these guys that we watched on Saturday mornings and we'd watch them and then afterwards my brothers and I would put a couple beds together and we would reenact what we had seen happen just a few minutes earlier on TV. And so one of us would be Jimmy the Superfly Snuka, exactly. And we would jump off of stuff, and we would try not to hurt each other. Um, somebody would be the Macho Man. Very good. You have Hulk Hogan, and the list goes on. Andre the Giant, and we'll stop there. If you have other names, tell me afterwards. I know them as well. And what would happen with my brothers and I is inevitably somebody would try to pretend to do something, and then somebody would really get hurt. How many of you grew up in a house kind of like that, maybe? Just Yeah, okay. And so it would cause fights, and those fights would then cause us to say things and do things that we regretted later. And so as we got older, guess what? We quit wrestling as much, and, and not that we didn't fight over other things, but that, that was one source of fighting to stop because we weren't doing things like that that would constantly lead to us saying things. Because when you get angry, what do you do? You usually say things you wish you could take back. It's kind of like that tube of toothpaste, right? Once you squirt it out, it ain't going back in. And so when you say things and you do things, then you look back and you go, I wish I hadn't said that. I wish I hadn't done this. And sometimes we want to blame it on our heritage, right? Well, I'm just, I have a temper because I'm Italian, right? Or my dad had a temper or I'm Portuguese or I'm I'm pig Latin. No, you guys are pig Latin, right? You can speak it, but you know, yeah. We want to blame it on that. But when our kids try to make an excuse, we're like, oh, no, 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 you're not going to do this. But we sometimes do that, and it can come in, especially in the area of anger, if that's something in your life that you've not controlled, that you can, you can use other excuses, but to ex- accept, you should make that decision to say, 2019 is going to be this one area of my life. When it comes to anger, I'm going to get under control. And it really is as simple as changing, I wish, because sometimes we go, 2019, I wish I could do this, to the saying, I will. Same, same amount of letters, same amount of words, I wish, I will. And then when, what does that will look like, though? The will doesn't just say, oh, I will do this, that, that's easy, well, in 2019 I will run three marathons. No, there has to be some action put to it. So if anger is something you struggle with, I know for me as a youngster, absolutely it was something I struggled with. As an adult, I don't think it's something that it can... You know, always gets to me, but it definitely can. But if that's something in your life, you know this, because here's what here's what David wrote. What does anger do? It leads to evil. It will lead to decisions that you wish, once you've cooled off, that you hadn't done that. So Pastor Jeff's going to come up, and he's going to wrap up our morning. And our encouragement to you guys this morning is that you would take Psalm 37, these principles from this, and apply those to your life. Because each of us have different areas in our lives we need to work on.
0: Well, as we've been talking about this morning, just looking at some specific things that you can look at to evaluate your own life of where you proceed from here. And some of us will look back and, you know, like I said, we've had time for reflection over the holidays. And we kind of say, wow, you know, this was great. This was wonderful that God that did this in this past year. But I really wish that this would have happened, or I would have been able to accomplish that. And you know, uh, we can kind of enter a little bit of a time of remorse, or regret. And it's not too late. You have opportunity to look at this coming year and go, okay, where did I miss it? Rather than just missing the mark of what I wanted to accomplish, you know, there really maybe something was missed before then. There was steps that were missed. There was a plan that wasn't executed. There wasn't necessarily a vision. And earlier when I serviced, I talked about a resolution, told you a resolution really is more of an emotional response to a situation, and that it only lasts as long as the emotion lasts uh, quite often. I'm not talking about having a resolution going this year. I'm talking about having vision. There is a difference. Vision is the act or power of anticipating that which will or may come to be. A resolution basically looks and says, okay, I'm going to... Address this behavior or this situation. I'm going to address this scenario. Vision is about looking toward the future, looking about rather than what is, but what can be. What is it that you see for your family? What is it that you see for you? What is it that you see for your own spiritual walk? We don't talk about, you know, there's a difference between going, well, I don't read my Bible enough. I don't pray enough. uh, I'm not doing this for my wife. I'm not doing this for my husband. That's one thing that you're talking about specific behaviors. I'm talking about this is what I see that God has for me as a mature disciple of His being made in his image i 'm pursuing that image i 'm pursuing that which he 's called me to be that you get caught up on the little behaviors you never get there you need to look and you know, and the goal is to go at, uh, go after what it is that he 's called you to be, but we get tangled and frustrated. Uh, When the behaviors fail us rather than going, okay, yeah, I didn't do so well today, but this is where I'm going. This is the goal that I'm running towards. This is the prize that I'm after. What is that for you? That's having vision. Vision, though, begins with the inability to accept things the way that they are. You know, there's this phrase that when the pain of staying, uh, when the pain of staying the same is greater than the pain of change, you will change. Basically saying that when you are in the situation that you're in, you know, a lot of people just don't like change. I'm one of those people that actually enjoys change. But a lot of people don't like change. They don't like the pain that it causes and the discomfort and how it disrupts everything. And so they avoid change and they put it off. But when you get to the point of going, okay, but it's more painful to stay here than to go through the process of change, then you'll make that motivation to do that. Ask yourself, what areas in your life are you at that point? What are the areas where you're finding that the pain of staying the same is becoming greater than what's required to go through the change? Vision reminds us of our dependency on God to accomplish it. This is different than resolutions. Revolutions is something we try to achieve on our own. But we know that vision is only can be achieved when we are partnered with God. Some of us need to have vision in our life. What is it that we are aspiring to? What is the goal? Some of us are frustrated because we quite frankly don't have vision. It says, the scripture says that without vision the people perish. That we, you, you need to have that which you're aspiring to. What is it that you want to see for your family, for you? What is it that we, we want to see as a church? What is the end goal? What is that vision? That's what you need to look at, be looking at. And here, what we've hoped to do today is provide you with a template in order to construct that. I can't sit here and tell you, follow this plan, follow that plan, dump da dump da dump da dump. There's some basics, yeah, that you need to follow. But I can't lay it out specifically for you because God has a specific path and a specific plan for you. You have to figure that out. But you don't necessarily have to do it alone. So there's some questions you need to consider. Out of the six things that we propose today, what... Which one do you find the most challenging? Because whichever one you find the most challenging, that is your pain point. For instance, the rest in God. That's that's really challenging for me. Well, why is that? Is it because you feel that you have to have control all the time? Because if you feel that you have to have control all the time, then that means that you really don't trust God. You've got a trust issue. What is the root of that pain point? And get to it. And demolish that going into this coming year. What are you going to do in 2019 to address and move beyond the challenges? What is your plan? But foremost, who and what can you partner with to help you in your process? There's two things that got to coexist together. You have to have a plan and you have to partner. You cannot do this alone. You cannot do this in isolation. We need the support and the encouragement and the challenge of each other. So here's how what you can do. So you're having trouble. This year wasn't a great year for you financially. You didn't quite get those finances in order. And guess what? Join our FPU that's going to be starting in the next few weeks, Financial Peace University. Get involved in a group. Get involved in a life group. You need to partner if you're not getting plugged into a group, or if you're not getting plugged into this church, you're missing some essential points of what it means to be here at Grace Covenant. Find a group, get plugged in, get with like-minded people, get with people that are going to challenge you and to help you to grow. Find one that's going to address specific issues that you're walking through uh, in your life. We're going to be launching groups next week and we'll have all that laid out for you. Make a plan to get partnered with one and don't just commit when all the festivity and all the uh, hype is started at the beginning of the year and then get two or three weeks into it and going, oh wow, this actually requires sacrifice. yes. Walking with Jesus requires sacrifice, but make a commitment to commit to that. And when will you be intentional to start the process? Everything has to have a beginning and an end. It's like the 21-day fast that we're going to have in the next couple of weeks. That there is a beginning to that and there's an end, but we're going to see what God does in that middle. And watch and grow. You have to be intentional. If you're not being intentional, then you cannot expect anything of significance to happen. It just won't. A lot of us want to kind of live life, kind of going by going by osmosis. I'll just get around people that are, you know, that or things are going in their life the way that I want. Hopefully, I'll absorb it. No, you've got to plan this out for your life. So some of you may be saying, "Well, I don't have a vision. I don't know what that is. I don't know what that looks like." Well, then let's agree together and let's have some people pray with you about what that is that you walk out of here with a sense of going, "Okay, God's going to reveal to me what the vision for this coming year is, and I'm going to do what's necessary in order to partner and to uh, and to plan for that." So I'm going to ask our ministry teams as I'm as we're going to pray together, And then as I'm praying, I'm going to ask our ministry teams to come forward and make yourself available. And then if you need to partner with someone and pray about you know some direction for this coming year, then they'll be here to agree with you on that. Or if you need healing or whatever it may be, but it's an opportunity and time for ministry for you. So I want to encourage you to do that. But let's agree. Let's dream big. Let's get some vision for this coming year and see what God's going to do, not only individually but corporately. And believe that God can do great things for you and for us in 2019. Amen? So Father, we uh, come to you, God, we just ask, Lord, where there are those that are lacking vision or needing vision or needing some sense, of God, of what it means to walk into this coming year, I pray, Father, by the power of your Holy Spirit, that you bring that revelation to them. God, show them, Lord, what the plan is that you have for them in this coming year, for their families. Lord, show us, God, give us greater revelation of what it means to walk together corporately as a church in this coming year and what that vision may be. And Father, I pray Lord, that you also bring revelation by the power of your Holy Spirit that of what the things that we need to release. God, we can't walk towards things. There are some things in this there's some people in this room that have been perpetually frustrated that they have not been able to accomplish their goals. And I believe the Lord is saying that the reason for that is because you refuse to release the things that you have to release in order to pursue what I have for you in the future. You're holding on to things that are tying you down, that are tethering you to the past and to the present and not allowing you to move into into the future. And God's saying you have to cut those tethers, you have to cut the cord, and you have to move forward, and you have to free your hands so that you can fully grasp what it is that I have for you in this coming year. And then you will see success, then you will see the purpose revealed, then you will see your plan completely come into fruition. And so, Father, we dedicate that, Lord. We, we agree with that, Father. And we ask that you show, if there are those of us in this room that have those things that we're holding on to, that you would reveal to them what they are and show us how to release them. As we walk in trust and as we walk in obedience to what you called us to do. And, Father, we ask these things in Jesus' holy name. Amen. The ministry teams, you continue to make your way forward. Those of you that need prayer, please come forward. But let's walk out of this room today in anticipation of what God's going to do in this coming year. You guys have a great week. For more information on Grace Covenant Church, our service times, ministry opportunities, directions, and more, visit us at
1: gracecovenant.org.